I don't know how much research you've ever done on anxiety, but it can kind of be a frustrating thing because there are all kinds of statistics and different details that seem to uh, conflict with each other. Some conservative estimates, I would say, guess that somewhere in 20%, about 20% of Americans struggle with anxiety, uh, which means that of, of every five people, obviously, that you come across, one of them struggles um, with anxiety, which is pretty significant. Um, two years ago, a poll was taken uh, amongst Americans, and the poll indicated that 40% of those who had taken it indicated that they were more anxious, they were struggling with anxiety more that year than they had the previous year, 40%. Now, if that was two years ago, I wonder what you think the results of that same poll taken today would be. If you asked Americans today, do you feel more or less anxious than they did a year ago? What do you think that number would be? 40%? 60%? Or, or maybe even higher compared to a year ago? The reality is that anxiety, if, if you whether you are somebody that struggles with it on a, a chronic debilitating level or it's something that barely even shows up as a, a blip on your radar, or you're somewhere in between, which is maybe most of us, the fact of the matter is that anxiety is not going to go away, is it? It's something that is here to stay. There's not going to be a cure for it. You can have medication, you can have different approaches, but it's always going to be around. And there's a reason for that, uh, because anxiety is actually in the picture today, and it goes all the way back to, if you believe the, the Bible as it describes it, um, Adam and Eve falling into sin are the reason for anxiety. Ironically, their anxiety, their doubts, their worry about whether the devil was, was telling the truth or God was telling the truth that led them into fall now is the reason that we're still anxious today. Because just as our parents first doubted whether God really was looking out for their best interests, now we have our own insecurities and doubts about whether or not God is, is permanently going to turn away from us the way that deep down inside we feel he actually has a right to do because we haven't measured up. So it's kind of an ironic situation that we're in with the anxiety today that, that already stems all the way back in the Garden of Eden. And the other irony is this, that the very source of anxiety, our turning from God, is also the very solution for our anxiety, turning back to God. And as we have focused in, in my the church that I serve, the last several weeks we've had a sermon series, Raising Hope, focusing on the ongoing hope that is ours through the resurrection, uh, living, enduring hope in God, a hope that is for everybody. We see today that that hope is also for those struggling with anxiety. And so the, the hope is that even in our, our little time here, that, that you would find the hope that, that God holds out to you uh, for anxiety. Now, some of you that, that are tuning in or watching this whenever you see it, um, readily and without apology would identify as, as Christians. And, and I want to acknowledge that even Christians sometimes struggle with this in a different way. Sometimes Christians are told that you, you aren't really a strong Christian if you struggle with anxiety that if you worry or you have to take medication that you're somehow less than a, a real Christian or inferior, you just don't have a strong enough faith. 
And I, I can't relate to that. All I can do is say that I'm sorry and apologize that you've had to experience that. And I want to tell you, for you too, today, that this hope for anxiety is for you. There's also maybe some watching who don't identify themselves as Christians, uh, as believers, and that's okay too. You're here, if you're watching it, it, it's because either you or maybe somebody that you know struggles with anxiety. Maybe you have found a way to, to help cope with your anxiety that works well for you. Maybe you've found ways that haven't worked so well and maybe have actually been more harmful than, than helpful. And so my, my plea to you, I guess, is, is just this. Um, listen to what God has to say to you. At, at, at worst, you can dismiss it and continue with whatever resource or however you have been trying to cope with or treat with anxiety and you have nothing to lose. At best, you find that God has for you a, a hope for anxiety in Jesus that you never imagined possible. We're focusing, and I should have put this in if somebody wants to type it in the comments, uh, the, the text, the section of scripture is 1 Peter chapter 4, uh, verses 12 to 17, and then chapter 5, verses 6 to 11. Really focusing on chapter 5, verses 6 to 11. And when we look at those words written by a guy named Peter, he takes us to kind of an unexpected place initially. He brings up the matter of humility. Humility probably isn't something that strikes you as a struggle for those that are, are dealing with anxiety. Uh, probably you don't think of somebody struggling with anxiety as needing to be more humble. And yet listen to what Peter says in verse 6 of chapter 5. He says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand. And I want you to, to pause for a moment and think of that picture to kind of help visualize what Peter's describing there for us. Picture God's hand as a, a strong fist. And, and to, to kind of expand on the visual, a fist that's as large as a house. Okay, that's the mighty hand that Peter is describing when he says, humble yourselves under God's mighty hand. Now pause and, and stop and reflect on everything that you could possibly be worried or anxious about. Things from your past that still cause you worry or concern today, things that you personally have experienced, things that others deal with that cause them anxiety that you are well aware of, or fears that you have in the future, things that, that haven't even happened yet, but you worry about them and you're anxious about them. Now think of all of those things being thrown at you at once. Now go back to this picture of God's mighty hand being a fist as large as a house. If all of those things, those worries, those concerns could be thrown at you at, at once, where would you rather be? Would you rather place yourself on top of the, the roof of that house, on top of God's mighty hand, his fist? Or do you think that you would be better off beneath it, under its protection, guarded and shielded from from every worry and anxiety. On top, if you place yourself up here, you have nowhere to go but down, nowhere to go but, but to fall when those anxieties and those worries and those concerns hit you. And you're susceptible, you're vulnerable to all of them. But what a different story if you place yourself in humility beneath God instead of assuming, I can deal with this. Instead of assuming, I, I know better 
or looking to some other source or trusting or counting on something other than God, really what we're doing is putting ourselves above that and actually find ourselves even more vulnerable than under his protection. And there's another danger that that Peter points out there. It's not just that you are susceptible to those anxieties and those worries. The other danger is this, that Peter points out a, a very real enemy that is looking for those who are more vulnerable and open and susceptible to attack. Peter describes it this way. He says in verse 8, Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So who do you think is going to be on the devil's, your enemy's visibility radar? The person who is standing up here for everybody to see or the person hidden here safely tucked under, protected by God's mighty arm, that fist, that picture of strength? I guarantee you the devil is looking for the easy pickings. He's, he's not going to do any more work than he has to. There are plenty who in arrogance or haughtiness or lack of humility or their own confidence think they can handle it up here and the devil loves that. And here's the other unique challenge about anxiety and depression and and these kind of struggles for us is that there's still, though we've made a lot of progress and rightly so as a society, there's still a certain stigma, a shame, an embarrassment that is attached to them. And so there's a tendency to want to keep them to ourselves, to to isolate, to say, I can deal with this on my own. What would other people think if they knew that I was dealing with this? And that could be perhaps the most dangerous thing that a person can do because the devil pounces on that. And, And a sad example of that I would point to would be to think of the last time that that somebody well-known, famous, or even a friend of yours was in the headlines for having committed suicide. Tragic as that is, what do you notice is one of the common refrains that, that follows that? The people, the friends, even the family members of that individual often say, we had no idea that he or she was struggling that much. We wish that he or she would have just said something to know that there's support, encouragement, those who care for them. And yet, for whatever reason, that person felt like they had to battle it on their own. The devil loves that. Peter knows how how dangerous that is, and so he gives us some encouragement against the devil who is prowling around. He tells us at the beginning of that same verse, in verse 8, he says, Be alert and of sober mind. Which seems like great advice. Of course you want to be alert. You want to be on the watch for any temptation, any struggle, any vulnerability that you might have to the evil one. And then to be of sober mind is really a way of saying it really means to have control of one's thoughts. And I think everybody would agree that's great advice on the part of Peter. But here is the very unique challenge for somebody suffering with anxiety. It's that they they feel as if they don't have control of their thoughts. They, They know that They shouldn't worry so much. They don't even want to worry so much. But that's just part of the problem is they can't stop it. They can't turn off the switch. And so to give that advice, it it almost appears as if Peter means well, but it doesn't really hit home. And Peter's advice maybe feels to us a little bit like that that well-meaning friend that we have, maybe a family member who does find out maybe we felt confident enough to share with them our our struggles of anxiety. 
And the response, well, well, maybe, maybe if you didn't worry so much, you wouldn't be so anxious. And they say, well, maybe if you didn't overthink things, maybe if you weren't constantly considering the outcome of every situation and, and, and allowing your head to be flooded with all of these worst case scenarios, these worst case outcomes of everything that you're dealing with in life, well, then maybe you wouldn't be so anxious. And you're sitting there listening to that advice and your only response is, well, duh, I know that's the issue. But the issue is that I can't stop it. So to give that kind of advice for somebody who is struggling with anxiety actually has the adverse effect and all it does is exacerbate them more. Now they're anxious for feeling anxious. It's kind of like this. It, it's as if you were on the coast or, or on the, 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 the seashore of a lake or even at a pool and you watch somebody who clearly is flailing about, struggling to keep their, their head above water. They clearly can't swim and, and they're about to drown and you say to them, hey, maybe if you, if you just started swimming, you'd be okay. But they can't swim. Just as that anxious person doesn't know how to flip the switch and stop thinking those thoughts of anxiety and worry. So to this point, we, we've spent some time identifying, I guess, and maybe exploring what anxiety is, but maybe you're wondering, okay, where, where is the hope? Uh, where is this hope for anxiety that, that I promised you? Well, it, it's actually here in the same place. The very word of God that is the source of hope for all people in all circumstances for all time. And it's particularly in this verse, chapter 5, verse 7. Listen to what Peter says for those who are anxious. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Friends who are struggling with anxiety... Those words are gold. Memorize them, retain them, plaster them all over the walls of your house if you need to. That is the antidote to anxiety. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Some of you that are, are familiar with, with scripture and the, the life of Jesus might, might know uh, not too long ago we celebrated Jesus triumphal entry into Jerusalem and his suffering and death. And of course, we're in the season of Easter, celebrating his resurrection. A little detail, uh, as Jesus' disciples got the donkey ready, the, the one that he rode into Jerusalem, the word that Peter here uses, cast your anxiety, is the same word that is used to describe what the disciples did with their garments when they placed them on the donkey for Jesus to sit upon. Now think about that picture. They they took off their outer garments, if I had a, a suit coat on it, to take that off and place that on the donkey for Jesus to sit on. Peter says, do that with your anxiety. Take it off and, and cast it just as they spread it out, just as they placed that, their garments on that donkey. Peter invites us, take your anxieties, your worries, your burdens, take them off and place them on, on God. Place them on the Lord. Don't insist on carrying them around any longer. And another detail, notice that, that Peter says, cast all your anxiety on him. Not a little bit here or some of it over here. Not the things that you think, well, this is too much, but I can, these anxieties, these worries, these cares, I can handle these ones. 
Peter says, cast all of your anxiety on him. And here's why. If you struggled with anxiety, you know that anxiety doesn't like to be alone. Anxious thoughts love company. So it's all or nothing. Cast all of those cares and those anxieties on the Lord. Now here, friends, is the bread and and butter of these verses. This is essential to understanding why God alone offers hope for anxiety. The bread and butter is found in the second part of that verse that I read. It's in the words, because he cares for you. So while you are feeling overwhelmed and suffocating and you are burdened by your worries and your cares and the thoughts swimming around inside your head, do you know know what God is thinking about? He's thinking about you. He cares for you. While we are worried about all of these other cares, his care is you. Of all of the things that the almighty creator of heaven and earth have going on each and every day, the things that he oversees, that he orchestrates without us even giving a second thought to them, even all of those things don't distract him from caring about you. And I don't know if there's anything more powerful than than that. And to make it sink home, when when you do record this verse, if you write it down in your house, or around on on a sticky note, anywhere for you to be reminded, take that last word, you, and replace it with your actual name. So the verse reads, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for, insert your name there, because it's true. He cares about you as an individual. And here is where uh, the, the, the key to putting this together. So a person struggles with anxiety, and realizes the risk that we're susceptible to the devil, the enemy, pouncing, prowling, looking for that. And so what does Peter say? He says, well, be alert and of sober mind, which is well and nice, except that, again, we can't just flip the switch and turn off our anxiety. Here, friends, is the key. You're right. You can't just turn off your anxious thoughts. You know what you have to do? Replace them. Replace your anxious thoughts, your cares, and your worries with the one who cares for you. To center your thoughts on how much he cares for you. To think about how good God is to you, even in the worst situation, in the worst circumstances, how much God still demonstrates that he cares for you. And there's no better place to look than than to scripture for that very reminder to see how good God is. You know that that scripture speaks throughout from beginning to end about anxiety and more importantly, how to address it, how to deal with it. You replace anxious thoughts with a focus on how good and gracious God is, the one who cares for you. And the Christian faith sets itself apart from, from every other in this regard. When we talk about thinking good thoughts, we're not talking about some some metaphysical or mystical concept. We're talking about a reality. We're talking about focusing our, our thoughts on a very real historical events centered on a re- very real individual, Jesus Christ. There's no one who cares for you more than that. 
an example of what this looks like to replace those anxious thoughts is recorded in the Old Testament. I'm just picking one example. There are many in Scripture, but Psalm 116, verse 7. Listen to what the psalm writer indicates. Be at rest, he says, once more, O my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. Be at rest. Enjoy peace from anxiety. How? Where? Where do I find this? The Lord has been good to you. Reflect and focus on how good he truly has been. For some of us, that might mean just periodically when we struggle with anxiety. For some of us, that might mean several times over the course of even a single day to redirect my thoughts, to replace my anxious thoughts with focusing on how good God is. To, to get into his word and be reminded of his promises, the depth of his love for me, made so clear in Jesus Christ. If we doubt that goodness, can anybody question how much God cares for you? When the one he cared about so much, his own son, he willingly placed as your substitute, the son that, that he allowed to suffer hell for you, to suffer for your sins, and to suffer for my sins, and to suffer hell for me, and to suffer hell and, and for the sins of all people, that God cares for you. Can we possibly question how much when God declares to us that he cares for us so much that he has cast, there's that word again, our sins as far as the east is from the west? Can we question how much he cares for us when he wants to cement that assurance of our status, our relationship with him in the, the waters of baptism, reminding us that through baptism, your sins are actually washed away and we're right with God. We have nothing to fear eternally. Can we question how much he cares for us when in the sacrament of communion, the Lord's Supper, he gives us his very body and blood to sink down into our hearts to assure us um, that through that body and blood, God is doubling down on his forgiveness, that he wants beyond the shadow of a doubt to know, for us to know how much he cares for you. That is the, the key to replacing your anxious thoughts, to overcoming them, to finding hope by replacing them with thoughts on how good God is and how much he cares for you. That is the key to abolishing those anxious thoughts by, by casting them away, by replacing them. I want you to go back now to, to a verse that we already looked at. Uh, the, the first verse, chapter 5, verse 6. Remember that, that picture that I started out with, that picture of God's mighty hand being a fist. And, and notice the part of that verse where Peter says that, that he may lift you up in due time. See, if we find ourselves humbled beneath God's protection, counting on him to guard and shield us from anxiety and worry and concern as we focus on him, that very same picture of strength, his mighty hand, that fist can turn itself over and hold us in the palm of his hand, protected and guarded and shielded, but also exalted and lifted up as only he can do. He promises that to those who look to, to Jesus, to, to look to him for hope, for anxiety. There is your, your solution. Because as we're in the palm of his hand, there is no fear that can overcome him. There's no power, not even the enemy, the devil himself, 
that is going to overthrow God. There's no anxiety, there's no worry, there's no care, there's no concern. Nothing in all the world is going to be able to overcome the might of of God who holds you in the palm of his hand to uplift you. Fix, Fix your thoughts on him. And there, friends, when you fix your thoughts on the one who cares for you, you will find hope for anxiety.